From Susan G. Komen, this is Real Pink, a podcast exploring real stories, struggles, and triumphs related to breast cancer. We're taking the conversation from the doctor's office to your living room. A breast cancer diagnosis isn't easy, and significant support is often needed to care for your emotional, social, spiritual, and practical needs. Being able to lean on those closest to you can make all the difference. We also often hear people say that sharing their own story with others who might be going through a similar situation can be therapeutic as well. It is so important to not try to go through it alone. Today's guest underwent treatment for breast cancer two decades ago, but to this day is still eternally grateful to the people that supported her and her family through such a challenging time. Trish, welcome to the show. Thank you, Adam. I'm delighted. I'm very excited to talk to you. Uh, I love your your personality and enthusiasm. This is going to be great. So let's start with your breast cancer story. Can you walk us through your breast cancer diagnosis and what was going on in your life at that time? Okay. Well, two decades ago, <laughs> I can't believe it, 20 years, right? Um, oh my gosh, I was uh, 50. I just turned 50. And um, I did have a a family member, a cousin that had passed early on with breast cancer. So there were very, uh, it was evident that, you know, we had to keep on top of it. So I, uh, I would go for mammograms and they would be suspicious, but nothing was concrete. They did um, biopsies, they did ultrasounds, they did, you know, and, and nothing. So, but what I can tell you about it is that um, I felt like they were preparing me for, for what's to come. And, um, and that's exactly what they did. So when I did get the diagnosis, I was not surprised like most people because I just felt that they really, I, I had a, a radiologist that was really preparing me, even though she wasn't saying it, she would bring me in to see the films and she would talk about them. And she would talk about these calcifications that form, you know, cancers, but they, they weren't right there yet. So I appreciated that. So when I did get the diagnosis, as I said, I wasn't surprised. Um, I've had, you know, immediately it's just, you get into this fear, fear of the unknown. Um, then your whole family is involved. And, you know, I have, I had a daughter, or I have a daughter. She was 16, 17 at the time. Um, I had a husband that wasn't well, you know, all these things happened. But I think how it all came about was that there was a lot of stress going on in my life. And when that shows up, um, the cancer just came forth. and. There it was. Wow. And, and, and I understand that it took two years to diagnose. So, so how did you deal with that? How, how was it going through that you know, two-year process? And, and how did you calm your anxieties during that time? Well, you know, I, as I said, I, I don't know how I meet these people, but I, I do. And that radiologist actually was preparing me. So I... I I was so grateful that I did not get, you know, out of the blue, I get this horrible thing because I was getting prepared 
Um, so I was grateful, I have to say. Even though it did take two years, <laughs> it was okay because um, at the maybe you know everything works for a reason. Um, timing is everything too. Mm, yeah. um, I had a my husband had just oh well, let me just kind of go to meeting these doctors who were unbelievable, and um, this one doctor was recommended, and I went in to see him and. Um, there's a lot of options. I, I know there's probably there's questions coming up about that, but you do get a lot of options. And there's options. Um, they can take a section of the cancer out. They can, you can have radiation when they do that. They do, they could take a mastectomy. They can take a radical mastectomy. You can be reconstructed um, by your own tissues. You can get um, implants. And it's like, oh. It's a lot. It's a lot. And, um, but when you're directed to, to the right people, and I really felt I was, there was no question about it. I felt um, I got the right surgeon. I got the right plastic surgeon. Um, I was taken care of very well. Yeah. Hmm. Wow, that's fantastic. And so, so you mentioned sort of the, all the different options. What decisions did you and your medical team make about your best course of treatment? So, as I said, they give you options and they really weren't directing me. Um, and they gave me a lot of, they said, go, go to the breast cancer uh, support group. Um, go for a second opinion. You know, they really, because there are a lot of options. And, um, or I could do nothing, but you know, that wasn't an option. So I'm, I'm rolling my husband, not rolling him in, but pushing him in, in a wheelchair. He had just had his leg amputated and the doctor is looking at me, you know, I'm pushing him in. We're going to, we're listening. We're going to talk about diagnosis. And the doctor said, how is your stress level? And I said, um, it's pretty pretty high up there, you know? And uh, so that kind of helped him help me make some decisions. Because, and again, back, back to that radiologist that kept showing me these films, you know, even though they took, maybe it would take a section, there might've been more there. So it was really clear to me that I had to do uh, the mastectomy. And, but, but then 20, you know, two, two centuries ago, 20 years ago, um, they had an option, and they do now as well, uh, and it was called a tram flap, where they take your tissues from your belly and they recreate a breast. So that was an option. And I went and I saw another doctor who, you know, her, his nurse was kind of pushing me towards more implants. And they, uh, the funny thing in this, breast world is that people don't mind showing you their, their new ones. Yes. Oh, yes. So this new doctor uh, that I went to see, Dr. Joseph, um, his nurse said, you got to go up and see, you know, Mary, she works at administration. She was in her early seventies. Go up there and talk to Mary and she will show you what, you know, Dr. Joseph can do. Sure enough, Mary, who is she goes, are you here to see my breasts? I said, yes. They were magnificent, okay? So it's like a lot of options. But for me, the right option was uh, to do the tram flap. 
um, take the tissues, build, you know, build a breast, be augmented on the other side. Um, and it was the right decision. And so I had this fabulous Dr. Watanabe. And he was the one that um, he, when you're in the hospital, he doesn't let anybody touch you. He changes everything. He comes in and it was over Thanksgiving, actually. Um, so I'm laying in bed and he said, uh, he leaned over and he said, what do you think about your new belly button? I said, do I have a new belly button? He said, yes, I gave you a new belly button. Because <laughs> they take this tram is a big, you know, they take a big chunk of your, your skin and they give you a tummy tuck. It's not bad, actually. Um, so that's what they did. They actually can reconstruct you. And um, yeah. Wow. So it was it was pretty amazing. And yeah. Um, it sounds like, I mean, you had an amazing relationship with your medical team. I mean, it's how, how important was that for you? Oh, it, you have to have trust. And I really felt that this, this guy and his, it was, it was about me. He was not going to let anybody take, you know, come in. The nurses don't come in. He's the one that does it. Um, it was so successful. My operation was so successful that he wanted, he asked me if I would be kind of a spokesperson for him. Mm. So there were um, women that were trying to make these decisions and they needed to hear from someone that just had it done. And I said, I'm in. Absolutely. I will do it. So I would meet, you know, I was still working full time. So it wasn't like that was my new, you know, thing. But uh, definitely I would talk to them on the phone. I would meet them for, you know, coffee, for lunch, whatever. Um, we became friends. And, uh, but a lot of it is, even though it is so, you know, you've got these masters, these professionals, these, you know, this guy that, you know, has the most magnificent hands. If you're not healthy, um, I guess mentally and spiritually, and if you're not up for this, you have to be. You really mm. have to be. And yeah. talking about a team of people, um, you have your friends and you have your family and you have, and, but they're also worried about you too, you know? Um, but I had my church and oh my gosh, that was, I, I went to the support group at the breast center. And I just felt it was not for me, actually, because we had started something similar uh, for those that were dealing with illnesses at our church. And that was kind of my, I like that better. That kind of went, you know, my style. So, yeah. So you, you mentioned your church. So, so then following up on that, I mean, who else was in your support group? And what are some of the ways that they helped you through this journey? 20 years ago, very popular was. Uh, chicken casseroles. Chicken casseroles. <laughs> I'm telling you, no one makes casseroles anymore, right? But chicken I remember, casseroles I remember. was a big yeah. deal. Yeah. And they, and from the church side, they would make sure we had, you know, when I was coming home from the surgery, mm -hmm. um, they made sure we were eating, but it always seemed to be chicken casseroles. And when I got to speak in front of the church once, I said, I had no idea how many variations you could get with chicken casseroles. But <laughs> <laughs> I know, but 
the other thing, this is one that um, just got me a little teary today thinking about it. I, you know, I worked in a, in a company that, that just was, they were just fabulous. And it was thanks. I was in the hospital Thanksgiving. So Thanksgiving after that comes Christmas and my husband just had his leg amputated and I can't move my arms and I have a teenager and I looked at her and I said, do you mind if we don't have a Christmas tree this year? And she says, oh yeah, fine. You know, great. No, no problem. No problem. You know, she's, and I go, oh God, now I'm, I have to do something. So I called my office, spoke to someone in the office and I said, would you just bring a tree? She goes, I'll, I'll see you in an hour. Okay. Don't worry about it. So we lived at the end of a street and it was dark and I'm looking out the door and I see lines of cars coming down my street. Not only did they have the trick, okay, we, it must have been four or six people from my office there. Um, they went up into the attic. They came down with all our Christmas stuff. The guys went out and decorated the trees, you know, and the bushes. And they just, they were like, they swarm in and they swarm out. It was just, ah, oh, amazing. And so that's, people want to do these things for us, you know, um, let them. And, you know, wish, it's so hard to ask people, but I was desperate and I had a kid that wasn't talking to me at that point. So, you know, she was, um, it was hard. It was hard, you know, for your family to look at what was going on. So my closest family, they were all out of town. They don't live, you know, they're all, you know, in a different area. Hmm. And you mentioned, you know, asking for help. Why, why do you think it's so important to ask for what you need while you're going through an illness or some other major life event? Because there's people there that want to do this for you. You know, don't be afraid to ask. Oh my gosh. I mean, so many, so many will just walk by and go, I don't know what to say to you. You know, you, I just, you know, with, with my husband and then you, and I don't know, what can I do? What can I do? They, everybody was asking, what can I do? So it almost gave me joy to see them helping me. I mean, because they were so thankful and so that they could do it, you know, that they could actually come and relieve some of it, you know, whatever this was. But, oh, that hmm. that was the best Christmas we've had. I'm telling you. Yeah, it was great. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that's amazing. Oh, however, they, they didn't come back and take the um, lights out of the tree. <laughs> Oh no. No, they no. I was gonna ask about that actually. I'm glad we managed. We managed. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It might have been uh, a little longer, take you a little longer than usual, right? But uh, I'm glad you made it. That's good. Well, well, I mean, Trish, this is amazing. I I really appreciate you sharing your story. What final piece of advice would you like to share with our listeners? Well, I, I was thinking about who I was going through this journey with. And you know. I think sometimes your family are too close and it's too painful for them. I had a good best friend, Joan, okay? Joan. And Joan would come to the meetings with me. Joan would come to um, chemo with me. Um, Joan would come and look at everybody's breasts, you know, that wanted to show us. It was Joan was with me for all of that. And um, 
So I think, you know, sometimes I want to say just leave those people, your family members that are just tortured looking or, you know, watching you go through it. Rely on some of your friends because it's lighter. Um, they want to do it. And yeah, yeah. Not rely too much about the family because they, they're, they're really struggling. You know, as I said, um, lessen their burden. Grab, grab a friend. <laughs> Friends were always ready to come. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's, that's really, really good advice. And honestly, it's advice that I, I don't think we've heard on this show before. So I, I really appreciate you sharing that. Um, well, Trish, I mean, such a pleasure to have you on the show. Really appreciate your perspective. And, uh, and thank you just so much for joining us today. It was my pleasure. Really. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Real Pink, a weekly podcast by Susan G. Komen. For more episodes, visit realpink.komen.org. And for more on breast cancer, visit komen.org. Make sure to check out at Susan G. Komen on social media. I'm your host, Adam. You can find me on Twitter at AJ Walker or on my blog, adamjwalker.com.